I, this is going to sound so weird, but like one thing I did, this might've been around the time I was at CVI. I like looked at a lot of, and I thought about this when I was going into college too, was like looked at a lot of women that I really, really admired and just was like, what does their trajectory look like? What does their career look like? What does their life look like? Is this what I want, et cetera. And the main theme that I saw behind all of them is that they married really, really well. They married someone who loves smart women, who supported them, who wasn't jealous, who right. understood, you know, and these are like solid points here. Just, please, <laughs> just keep going. You're listening to Rewire with Susan, the podcast for you to learn software development topics in the most simple way and acquire some guidance for your career in tech. Strap up and let's go. Here's your host, Susan. Hey folks, I'm here with Rebecca Egger, co-founder and CEO at Little Otter. Um, Rebecca, you're welcome to Reward with Susan podcast. It's literally super refreshing to have you here. <laughs> I'm so happy to be here. I'm like, have been looking forward to this and Susan, it is so great to see you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, Rebecca, do you mind just like introducing yourself and letting us into your world? Yeah, so I'm Rebecca, as Susan said, uh, CEO of Little Otter. Um, my background is in computer science, programming, product design. Uh, I was a product manager at Palantir for many years, and then um, I built the infectious disease program at the Chan Zuckerberg Initiative, which is where I got to work with Susan. Yes. Uh, and I'll talk about this more, but I am a, you know, a big proponent of building zero to one and taking nothing and trying to make something valuable. And it was an honor to work with Susan during that time where it was, we had nothing. And we were like, hey, try to build something valuable. We have a lot of hypotheses, good luck. Um, <laughs> and yeah, that's how we got to work together and it was great. Yeah, that's super amazing. And the honor was completely mine because <laughs> I learned a lot from Rebecca working with her for um, those months. It was absolutely amazing. So Rebecca, I'd like to know um, like what your transitioning has been. Like you mentioned how that you were designing. Um, I noticed that you had been a designer at like Command IQ, Ega Designs. Um, you also moved on to be a product and program lead at CZA and Palantir Technologies. And now you're the CEO co-founder at Little Otter. Um, what's the experience been like for you? What's the greatest challenge that you've faced in navigating those different paths? I really fell into computer science. Um, I started my career think and design. I started my career thinking that I was gonna do science and astrophysics, actually. I loved physics. I was like, I'm gonna go live, you know, in a telescope and write papers. Did, you know, joined a lab my first year in college and very quickly realized that I like to work with a lot of people and did not want to do have the academic lifestyle, but I loved working in the lab. And I really thought about what was the aspects of physics and astro and the place that I was working that I really, really loved. And it was the programming and it was also the visual aspect of science, right? How do you do data visualization? How do you turn things that are very abstract 
concepts and make them tangible, um, which is really what led me into doing, you know, product design uh, and graphic design. So kind of did my own freelance work in college, ended up being able to stay at my lab, but got a computer science major. Um, And then, you know, once I actually started doing design and programming, I realized I was okay at them. I was a lot better at supporting people who were really, really good at it. And I was in a much better position to help be the communicator and facilitator than the actual executor. Uh, I can definitely attest to that. (laughs) (laughs) Working firsthand with Rebecca, um, Rebecca will literally see something tiny that you do and she's going to like blow it up. I'll be like, oh my goodness, this is so good. This is so good. And you're so excited to work on more stuff. (laughs) I think I've gotten, part of my career, it's really funny. It's like, I think I can keep talking about this. So you saw me, you know, I was at Palantir, which was like literally training by fire in terms of just throwing you into a million situations with no direction and like go make something valuable and profitable. And it was super valuable. Um, And then at CZI, that was kind of a whole different type of learning more in the traditional, you know, it was still a small corporation, but a little more, how do we interact with scientists? Um, And now as CEO, I think it's been really interesting because a lot of my a lot of the underlying skills are the same, right? As when I was a product manager, engineer, designer, but I definitely have had to step into a different role. And I think I was probably a lot nicer, I would say when you were working with me. (laughs) Definitely. Um, But I will will also say like, it's also, I would say being, having design and engineering experience is a blessing and a curse because like, Hmm. I was just talking about this, like our amazing, amazing, amazing head of marketing sent me, you know, the post, the social media posts for next week Mm -hmm. for a little otter to review. And the content is amazing and she's fantastic. And I was like, I have to redesign all these. I'm sorry, like I have to, it's just cause I like, and it, they're, they're fine, but it's that annoying part of my brain that's still able to do it. Right. You know? And so I think that also is frustrating for people who work with me, probably. Yeah. And it's funny because I was actually thinking in that line about some of the experiences that you've learned as, like, as a PM, designer, and developer that has formed some of your values, your processes right now, your decision making as a founder, right? Because I feel like the the detail is probably quite different um, working as a founder and working as being a little bit more hands-on on some of the product stuff. So like, how has that helped you um, in building some of the values and processes? Do you see things in a different perspective right now, looking at an angle as a CEO? as opposed to when you were, you know, in products. Yeah, I would say definitely. And I think that was also one of the biggest learnings that I had at the Chan Zuckerberg Initiative, um, right. building up the program is starting to think beyond just the product experience, but really looking at all of the factors that come mm-hmm. into play to make mm-hmm. something successful, right? And right. so as a PM, you're working with marketing design, but you have this goal of, I have some object and product that I'm getting out. And when you're, you know, running a program or running a company, it's how does the balance, the company is the product, right? And so thinking through that lens of, okay, what are all of these elements? How do you make it functional as well as producing um, is really 
a different type of type right. of challenge. Yeah. Right. Piggybacking off of you know your experience as a product manager, because this podcast is also channeled towards people that work with developers mm-hmm. um, and possibly do not have a lot of technical knowledge, but is really useful for them to have conversations around like products that they build and stuff like that. So there are lots of memes that you see right now on like Instagram, on TikTok, where you find like the product manager not being aligned with developers and there tends to be like like lots of clashes there, right? I I don't like some people have that figured out where everything works perfectly, but there are also companies where they are literally not on the same page. So have you or have you not had that experience in your line of work as a PM? And how have you been able to kind of create a seamless relationship with developers? I have like a a few multi-parts answers to this question. And so also (laughs) if I'm like blabbering on too much, just feel free to be like, hey, we got what we needed. Um, I'm just excited to talk to you. These are really good questions. Um, So at Palantir, I somehow got into this role that was about fixing the projects where the business, whoever was kind of leading the business side and the developers Mm -hmm. were like not able to communicate. So the answer is a hundred percent. Of course I was in that situation. It's hard not to be in that situation. Um, I think it goes back to like having empathy and understanding of each you know member of the team right. and recognizing that your perspectives are different but you all probably are coming with good intent right um and so you know over communication and transparency is always the main thing for me is like make sure that you can articulate the why of decisions because right. i think engineers a lot of times can get put in the situation where something's just being thrown over the fence to them. Yeah, yeah. And they, you know, it's it's not explained. And the entire thing of programming and coding is how do you, like, wh- you know, what is the logic behind this? Right. What are doing it? Um, so I think that's the main thing. I think it's also been really interesting and a huge learning experience because the, the engineering and the product tension definitely exists or engineering and business development. But now in my current company, we're bringing in therapists. Right, right. And so you now have this whole other dynamic, which has been really, really fascinating. And so we deal with this all the time in Little Otter is how do you take academics, therapists, people with marketing experience, engineers, yeah, research, et cetera, Mm -hmm. and make sure that they're, we're on the same page um and it's really about yeah i think it just always comes down to just like over communication and respect which is kind of a silly simple answer but (laughs) it that usually is what works yeah actually speaking of little otter as you mentioned i've been following up on little otter and i'm aware that it's an absolutely beautiful initiative that is focused on improving mental health for kids so could you share a little bit more about what your vision is what are some of the specific wins that you hope to see little otter provide for kids yeah so our vision is really to transform the entire landscape of early childhood mental health so 75 percent of mental health disorders appear before the age of 14. and we know that early intervention matters and we know that it can have an impact but people don't know what to look for. People don't understand right. what mental health 
you know, struggles looks like in young kids. And there hasn't really been the discussion about it until mm -hmm. now. Um, and so we're really coming in with the solution in a couple parts. The first one is how do you understand and identify? I'm kind of going back to that idea of empathy. How do you look at you know what's beyond your child's behavior to really understand what are they feeling? Is this normal? Right. Is this non-normal behavior? And then we match them to the right type of mental health care that is evidence-based, that's mm -hmm. high quality, that really is focused on kids under the age of 12 so they can really see outcomes. And to do that, you have to involve the family, which is really where the product side comes in is that it's really a product about how do you support, you know, you can't take care of a child's mental health without supporting a family's mental health and right. making sure the parents are aligned, et cetera. Uh, and I, you know, the only reason I could do this company is because I started it with my mom, Dr. Helen Egger. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, who's a very amazing scientist, doctor, researcher, also mom of four. Um, amazing. And, yeah. And she really has pioneered a lot of the work in the assessment and identification. Um, and so that's been, that's been really great. Yeah. Speaking of that, how, how is it working with your mom? I imagine that's a lot of fun. <laughs> you know, it's, I mean, it's super fun. It's great. And it's been amazing. I think it goes back to like, I, I'm very grateful that I'm doing this company now and I'm not doing right. it the year after I graduated from college. I wouldn't mm -hmm. be ready, right? And I think that all of the experiences that I've had have really given me the skills that I can do this and especially right. do this with someone I'm related to and I'm able Absolutely. to separate what does managing and working with someone look like yeah. versus what is our you know, child parent oh, relationship. That relationship. Yeah, yeah. sure. Agree. So, um, speaking of like a little bit more about like personal versus your professional life, I'm not going to personal. Don't worry. I mean, <laughs> um, you know me. I'm like the chattiest, <laughs> most not shy person. Feel free I to know. ask whatever. I know. Well, I will so overshare. <laughs> okay. So, are there some issues that you acknowledge is traceable to being a woman in tech, like? both as a PM and CEO and have you been able to kind of work around them? Yeah. So it's really hard. So until I joined Palantir, I had yeah. never worked at a job with other women, right? Because I was working in an astro lab. They, an amazing woman came in, I think the year that I left and, you know, but at a startup, the other startup I worked at the design firm I worked at, um, and I think what Palantir taught me and which was amazing is there was like an incredible, incredible group of, of women mm -hmm. there, um, that were just kind of addressing and talking about these things because right. they were, you know, top of mind. So that was awesome. Um, I think I've experienced just like basic things that everyone experiences throughout mm -hmm. my career. Uh, but the biggest and most sexist experience I've had so far was when I was raising my last round of funding for this for Little Otter. Whoa. That was like completely, I, I thought I was like, look, I've worked at, you know, I've worked at these big tech companies. Mm -hmm. I've dealt with, you know, these types of men before. Um, but just it's can, I mean, I, it's so hard it when you like see someone difficult to talk about. <laughs> well, it's just, well, cause I'm just, I want to make sure that I'm, I'm saying the correct thing. I yeah. think that it's, you know, it it can feel really hard when you see uh, your a male counterpart who is less qualified, worked less hard, 
is less experienced lie and be successful because of it, right? And oh. I think that there was a lot um, that was just like, really hard about it and I could do a whole other podcast if you want to have me on and I would talk about my whole experience I'm happy to I will say right. like we found ended up finding amazing investors but the other thing is we did the whole thing over zoom and so Susan oh, you know wow. that I am about five feet tall and I think that our investors still don't know how short I am so right. I really think that that also helped of like there's um but it was also a downside because I think I have right. you know presence it's helpful so yeah. yeah. Well, I think I think a few things. One, find other amazing women right. and just stick together and talk about these things. Create a community. Um, you know, have each other's backs. It's yeah. we all win if we win together, right? Um, the other biggest thing that I think is the reason why I've been able to, you know, get through a lot of these hard things and be in the position I am is that I have the Rebecca cheerleader squad, right? And I've collected amazing people throughout my career and life who right. believe in me and don't mind when I call them crying or I'm upset <laughs> and they're like, yeah, you know, screw that person or don't ignore that. Right. And, you know, yeah, the goal is to have constant internal validation and be able to be strong enough to do that on your own. But, yeah. you know, I really, that was, has been the most helpful thing to me right. is like find people who really understand and value you and see you uh, and just surround yourself with them. Yeah. Just the other people aren't worth it. Absolutely. And it's something I tell myself and I, so my team is like yeah. so brilliant and we're all like very, I would say pretty humble people. And I'm always like, okay, wake up and just imagine if you were like a cocky white dude, what would you say <laughs> in this situation? Right. Just like play that exercise, right. do that. Um, so it helps you process how you would handle the situation. Yeah, yeah. Another weird thing that I've done is like, you kind of like put on the act, right? I've had phone calls where I'm like, I'm going to be pretend to be, you know, this, that persona, right? I'm right. going to pretend and it can feel icky and weird, but it also is like, you know. And then the last thing I'll say is even if you are doing that persona and other stuff, I think the biggest thing goes back to your cheerleading squad is like know who you are and lean into what you're good at and mm -hmm. that is going to come across right and so don't Absolutely. everyone is going to be a critic about different things sure thank you i really appreciate you sharing that and being honest about that um so i'd also like to talk about how how would you say that being an entrepreneur has would you say that it has drastically affected your family life? Is there really something called balance? Like, are you able to really <laughs> have that? Do you think that, there's a, is that how, a how is your life? I mean, I, I'm, I'm curious on your end. Like, do you, yeah, how do you feel your work-life balances as a, as a, you know, creator? To be honest, I feel like the pandemic has helped in a way because um, I, I don't think that I would have had 
probably I would have, but I I don't think that I would have had this much time to kind of create and manage a, a whole lot of stuff before the pandemic. But I guess having it just made me reassess like all the things that, that, that could be possible, you know, and yeah. And, and I think it has helped me to kind of like know when to take breaks and not mm. feel bad about them. Yeah. Like, you know, just know when to compartmentalize essentially yeah you know so i think that's it for for me and of course it doesn't happen all the time like there's still some times where i find myself working like really long hours yeah. and all but i feel like that balance is gradually setting in yeah yeah that's i mean that's really great to hear and i do think that's the benefit of this pandemic is that it made a lot of people slow down and kind of do a quick yeah. evaluation of like wait a second now that I'm not constantly traveling all the time right. or these shiny things that I've kind of filled my life with, what do yeah. I value? What do I care about? And I think a lot of folks, you know, who joined the Little Otter team from right. pretty big jobs and positions were like, wait, I'd like to work on something a little different if I have the option. Oh. Um, you know, I think going back to the cheerleader idea, I, this is gonna sound so weird, but like <laughs> one thing I did this might have been around the time I was at CVI. I like looked at a lot of, and I thought about this when I was going into college too, was like looked at a lot of women that I really, really admired and just was like, what does their trajectory look like? What does their career look like? What does their life look like? Is this what I want, et cetera. And the main theme that I saw behind all of them is that they married really, really well. They married someone who mm -hmm. loves smart women, who supported them, who wasn't jealous, who right. understood, you know, and- These are like solid points here. Just, please, <laughs> just keep going. <laughs> um, yeah, and who, who, really, who really valued and understood, you know, who they were as people. Absolutely. And to me, you know, it's something we've talked a lot about because over the past year, like my life is crazy. I work insane hours and yeah, I do what you said, like, I think, when I unplug, I, I unplug because right. it's important. But like, I got married, you know, uh, I guess a year and a half ago, and I don't spend as much time paying attention to my husband as I would like. But I married someone who's like, this is what you want to do. And I knew this going into this, right? I right. knew you would always work this much. I knew that this is your intensity. And to, as an example, the other day we were lying on the couch, I was like, maybe after a little otter, I'll like open up an art studio and like do all this <laughs> art. And like, can you imagine that? And he was like, no, because if you didn't have anyone to boss around at work, you would boss me around. So <laughs> I want you to do that. Oh my goodness. Um, <laughs> you know, and, he, and he's also like self-sufficient. And so yeah. honestly, but what, what's been really interesting is, you know, as I said, my mom now, who's my co-founder, Mm -hmm. She's been a huge inspiration for this too. She, you know, when she had me, she was finishing her residency program. My dad was starting a startup at the same oh, time. Wow. Um, he's an entrepreneur. And then she had three more children, uh, wow. was working. Both of them were working the entire time. And she kept, you know, climbing the ladder, had this amazing career. So did my dad. And, you know, but she also didn't ever miss birthdays and it was like you know and had crazy amazing things did amazing things for us and was so loving and I felt mm. very supported um but my dad also helped a lot right it was an equal partnership but you know it doesn't mean that it was easy I think she probably has a lot of her own feelings about it but I think you're able you you 
can experience both. It's like you don't need to sacrifice one or the other. It might just be really, really hard. Yeah. Okay. Thank you, Rebecca. So one last thing before you go. Um, mm, okay. it's, a, it's a small game that I play here with guests.com. And basically, you've probably played this game before. It's called Two, two Truths and a Lie. So you're supposed mm. to tell me two things about you that are true and one that is a lie. And I'm supposed to guess which one is the lie. So, um, of course, you're supposed to make it hard for me to guess. So, <laughs> Okay, can I have a second to think? I'm like very bad at these games. I always <laughs> feel like um, talking about the humbleness of our team. One of my colleagues, we started playing a game that he got from his old company where right. it was like humble brag. So it was two truths and a lie, but you had to like, all of them had to be humble brags. Oh, Cause we were I like, see. come on, everyone needs to talk about <laughs> things that they, um, that they love. Okay. Yeah. Oh, you know too, you already know too much about me, I feel. Do yeah. I? Let me see. Um, how about, all right, two truths and a lie. Yeah. Okay, I have two. Let me think of the last one. Okay. <gasps> okay. Uh, all right. It's all going to be travel related. Cause that's okay. like the best one. So. I've lived in Japan. Okay. I've been in a private jet in Madagascar, and I've gotten food poisoning poisoning in Cambodia. Oh my goodness, this is hard. Um, I'm going to go with. I know that it is not the food poisoning. It has to be between living in Japan and being in private jets, and I'm gonna go with. Living in Japan. Have You're correct. Japan? Oh I did work God. there. I did work there, but I never lived there. Oh, I have visited. <laughs> I was the so other excited. Ones were good. That wow. was great. Wow. You were excellent. <laughs> thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. This is like my second win on this show. <laughs> <laughs> okay, great. So I took forever to think of something and then you won and it sucked. So no, no, no. no I feel like with icebreaker games, I need to like next time I promise I'll have a I'll have my my, um, no, so. trust me, it was quite hard, and I took a really wild guess. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you so much, Rebecca. It was really great sharing with you. Um, I don't know if you have like last words for new developers, new PMs, new designers, new co-founders as well. You know that yeah. may be listening to this. Yeah, you're probably more ready than you think you are. Hmm. You're gonna, and you're gonna have to do things before you think that you're ready. So just, just try awesome. and you'll be fine. Um, and thank you so much, Susan. It's so great to talk to you. Thank you. Thank you. I really appreciate it. And thank you for making the time. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Head on over to rewirewithsusan.com to catch up on all episodes. And don't forget to subscribe to your podcast player and drop a review if you like this show. 